Hello, everyone. Welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you joined me today, and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Uh, I've been teaching a series on Jesus, the great storyteller. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the parables that Jesus taught during his earthly ministry. And I've been on this series uh, from the beginning of 2023. So for, uh, let's see, January, February, March, April, and here we are in, in through May, five months. And guess what? This is the last session uh, that, I, that I'm going to have on the parables because we've gotten, after, after this lesson today, we've gotten, I think we've gotten all the parables in that Jesus uh, taught. Now, I, now, look, I might have missed something here or there. I might have overlooked one. So if, if I did, you know, forgive me. You know, if I did, email me and let me know. But uh, I think, I tell you what, I think we got, I think we got them all. I mean, or, like I said, I might have missed one here or there, but I think we got them all. Certainly got all the major ones in. And, and so uh, we're going to conclude it here today. But remember, uh, a parable is a simple story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And, uh, and we've been looking, like I said, at Jesus' parables. By the way, if you've missed any of the previous sessions, they're all available, available for you in our archives for free. But a simple story, a parable, simple story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And uh, Jesus used parables. He taught, uh, uh, you know, so much uh, using parables and, uh, it's just simple things that, that, that people he was addressing, the audience that was listening to him, including you and me, all these 2000 years later can, can listen to these simple stories that illustrate such great spiritual truths. And we learn so much and have been learning so much about the kingdom of God, or you could say the kingdom of heaven, either way is fine. Same thing. But, but we learn so much about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, because Jesus would often start a parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. So we learn so much about the, how, you know, the kingdom of heaven, how God operates, how he sees things. And also, you know, uh, there, there's a verse of scripture that says that Jesus would, you know, when he, when he came in his earthly ministry, would open his mouth in parables and reveal things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So I tell you what, uh, We've, we, we've been seeing a lot of things, learning a lot of things about God and how he sees things and how his kingdom operates. And so it's just been, we've had, a, I think, a big time and a lot of fun over the last uh, several many months. So here we go. Let's uh, finish this uh, series up here. Uh, and uh, uh, let's look at Matthew, the 24th chapter, let's look at the parable of the fig tree, the parable of the fig tree. So I have several things here I want to say about fig trees. Uh, in Matthew 24, it was uh, that chapter has to do with the end times. All right. And so I'd recommend you read the whole chapter. I'm not going to go through it all. I've been through it Many times over the years, if you've followed my ministry at all, we've, we've taught at times on the end, uh, end times or eschatology, a study of Bible prophecy and end times. So I'm, I'm, so I'm not going through the whole chapter here. But the fig tree. Now, in Scripture, the fig tree is, is, is symbolic of the nation of Israel. Okay, so... You need to realize that, and that's helpful to understand that and to realize that. But with that being said, in the context here, Matthew 24, of the end times and the tribulation period, the coming of the Lord, the tribulation period, remember, the Lord's going to come in the rapture where the church is caught up to heaven. And we've ta I've taught you on that over the years many times. And then there's a seven-year tribulation period, and at the end of that seven years, then the Lord comes back in what is known as the second coming, second coming of Christ. And in the rapture, he, his feet doesn't touch the ground. The church is caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The dead in Christ rise first and we who are alive and remain. We're changed into our glorified bodies and caught up to heaven. Seven years in heaven, 
While there's tribulation here on the earth, at the end of that seven years, we come back with Christ riding on white horses in what is known as his second coming. Much we could say about it. Much I have said about it, but let's center in on the fig tree here. Matthew 24, verse 32, he says, Now learn this parable. Parable. Simple story illustrates a spiritual truth. Learn this parable. We're studying on parables. That's what this last five months has been about. So learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the door. What is he talking about? He's talking about, you know, ultimately his second coming, his return and so forth. And he says, so we need to learn the parable of the fig tree. And what we're supposed to learn here is that when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, see, how do we know that summer is near? Well, we can look at the fig tree and, and when its branches become tender, it puts forth its leaves. You know, summer is near. So you watch the fig tree, you see things happening with the fig tree. Then you know that summer is near. Okay. So also when you see all these things, know that it is near. What is near? Ultimately the second coming of the Lord and the, you know, and, and so forth. Uh, even at the doors. Now, I will say this. I mentioned a moment ago that, the, that the, the fig tree is symbolic of Israel. I will say this. One of the, the I think one of the signs that we're nearing the, the, the rapture of the church and the tribulation period, the second coming of the Lord, is that Israel, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to say this, it became a nation again in 1948. And I tell you what, uh, uh, that's a big end time sign right there. Israel again becoming a nation. If you were to study eschatology, the study of the end times and Bible prophecy and all of that, you would see that, that Israel needed to be a nation. Israel needed to be a nation for the, for the Bible prophecies to, to, uh, you know, to, to be fulfilled. And, and, and actually Israel becoming a nation again was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. That's a big one. Okay, but but to, to, but this parable is just saying, hey, look at the, and so Israel becoming a nation is is a sign that we're we're living in the end days, absolutely. But but much I could say about that. But but here this parable, he's saying, hey, look at the fig tree. When certain things happen with the fig tree, you know summer is near. When you see all these things, now what things is he talking about? Verse thirty three. Well. If you go back up in Matthew 24 to verse 5, verses 5, 6, and 7, he gives us uh, these things, these signs. Uh, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Well, we've seen that. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, have that. Nation rises against nation, kingdom against kingdom, or ethnic group against ethnic group. In the Greek, that's what that means. And there will be famines, pestilences, well, COVID, you know, and other things we could mention and earthquakes, actually great earthquakes in various places. And the implication is when you see all these things happening at the same time and, and we have, and we are, and we do, Hey, the Lord could come back at any moment. Absolutely. But he, he says, now notice what he says here, back down to verse 34, looking at the fig tree, and when certain things happen with the fig tree, you know that summer is near. And and when you see these signs, well, I think one sign that I already mentioned is Israel's a nation again. And then these signs that we just read, wars, rumors of wars, uh, people saying they're, that they're the Christ and false prophets, false Christ, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, great earthquakes, various places. It's hard to watch the news anymore without hearing that there's a, been an earthquake somewhere or another. But he's talking about great earthquakes, great earthquakes in various places. When you see all these signs happening, coinciding at the same time, verse 34, Surely I say to you, this generation, the generation that's on the earth that sees these things, 
will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So the parable of the fig tree, simply put, when you see when you see the fig tree doing certain things and you know summer's near when you see these signs you know that the that 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 all of the uh things that need to be accomplished in the end in the end days and the second coming of the lord and the the the, the tribulation the rapture tribulation second coming of the lord and the the antichrist being defeated battle of armageddon all 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 of that uh the generation that sees these (laughs) these signs will not pass away until all things be fulfilled. Wow, I think we could be that generation. I said last week that every generation from the time of Jesus till now thought that they were the generation that was going to see these things. I tell you what, I don't know for sure that we're the generation that's going to see that, but I tell you what, with Israel becoming a nation in 1948, I tell you what, that makes us a prime candidate, in my opinion, for being the generation that sees the coming of the Lord. As we said last week, we need to be watchful. We need to be ready because I do think that we are the generation that's going to see the coming of the Lord. I'm excited about it. Are you ready to meet him? I tell you what, we need to be watchful, be faithful, doing and not just doing what what he told, we learned this last week. Don't just be doing what you're supposed to be doing, but go beyond the call of duty. Okay. But anyway, parable of the fig tree. So it, it tells us that there's signs that we need to be watching, keeping our eye on. And that's, that's really what this parable is, is, is illustrating to us. What's the central truth that we're supposed to get out of this parable is that there's signs we ought to be keeping our eyes on, the signs I just read to you, uh, anticipating the coming of the Lord, okay? And then, since we're on fig trees, I, I, I thought that uh, uh, though it's not a parable, I think we can glean something from this. Go to Mark 11. Uh, and verse 12, uh, now the next day when they'd come out from Bethany, this is Jesus and his disciples. He was hungry. Jesus was hungry and seeing from afar, a fig tree talking about fig trees, a fig tree having leaves. So he sees from afar, a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it, some figs. He was hungry. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And uh, in Matthew's account, it looks like if you read it and you don't read any further, it looks like that the, the roots withered up, uh, that the tree withered up from the roots right there. But actually, if you study Mark's account and you look at Mark's account that we're looking at, and you go through it, really take your time. It was with a 24 hour period that that fig tree dried up from the roots. Okay. So there's no contradiction between Matthew and Mark. I don't want to get into it. I could take an hour and get into it all and explain it. But, you know, the, the roots eventually dried up and, and, uh, you know, and people ask me, well, if it wasn't the season for figs, why did, why, why, why did Jesus curse the tree? Well, the tree, and I could talk for an hour on that. I don't want to get into that. I just want to say that I could explain. It. I just don't want to get into it. But here's the, simply put, from afar, and this is what I, this is what I want, what I feel the Lord wants us to get out of this for this lesson. From afar. Jesus didn't do anything unjust to the fig tree, all right? It, he, he saw it from afar. He was hungry. It had leaves. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the figs come on first, then the leaves. So anyway, it had leaves. It should have had fruit. It should have had fruit. And, and, and as you get into it and study into it more deeply, it wasn't the full season for figs. It wasn't the uh, full full season, but, but uh, uh, fig trees could could bloom out of season. You get into all that, you you miss the point. What have I taught you? Let's get the main point out of this. Here's the main point. Though this is not a parable, fig tree, here's the main point. Jesus sees this tree from afar. See how you can get into the details, get into the weeds. Nothing wrong with details and weeds, but sometimes, you know, you can get into these, these, and I've met people over the years that want to argue and fight and fuss about all these these things and, and they miss the forest for the trees, all right? They miss the main point. It's, it's sad. The main point here, 
Jesus sees this tree from afar. And it from afar, it, it's, it's crying out that, hey, I have fruit, I have fruit. That's what it's crying out. Now, it's not speaking actual words, but that's what it's, it's crying out. I have fruit. Jesus walks over to it, and upon closer examination, it doesn't have any fruit. And he cursed the thing. He judged it. He judged it. He cursed it, and it withered up from the roots. And the main lesson that he wants us to get out of this is this. Why do I, I get a little huffy because I have people, they want to argue, well, why did he curse it? Is, you know, it wasn't even the season for figs. Why did he curse? And they go on and on. I've had, I've had nitpickers come at me over all these years. I guess I'm just, I'm all nitpickered out. <laughs> I just, I'm tired of talking to people that want to argue and nitpick over stuff. And they miss the central truth of what the Lord's, what we're supposed to get out of what the Lord did. So if I'm a little edgy, it's because I'm, I'm tired of nitpickers, all right? Let's get the simple truth, okay? Nothing wrong with studying the details, but it is wrong when we become argumentative and nitpicky over over things that we shouldn't be nitpicky over. <laughs> Here's the deal, all right? Here's the deal. All right, he sees this thing from afar, and from afar it looked like it had fruit, but on a closer examination... He gets over there and has no fruit. And here's what he wants us to get. When something appears to have fruit, but upon closer examination, it does not. Jesus will bring judgment. Absolutely. And if you think about it, think about the Pharisees. We've talked about them a lot. The Sadducees and whatnot. And and those religious leaders, they appeared outwardly, to be righteous. They appeared to have a lot of spiritual fruit. And if you looked at any of them from afar, you know, they looked great, like they had lots of fruit. But on closer examination, Jesus said, you know, he he called them, he said, outwardly you appear to be righteous, but inwardly you're full of dead men's bones. He called them whitewashed tombs. Well, what's inside a tomb? Something that's dead, but you whitewash it. You can make it look good from the outside, but they were corrupt and, and, and not good on the inside. And so, so this parable, what it, it's not a parable. It's a story that actually happened, but I'm calling attention to it because it's a fig tree. And I think we learned that, hey, we shouldn't just appear to have fruit outwardly, we shouldn't just appear to have fruit outwardly. We need to have, uh, uh, you know, and then on closer examination, when the Lord examines us, uh, he finds we have no fruit. That's going to bring judgment. See, we need, we need to actually have fruit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, those sorts of things. And so when we appear to have fruit outwardly, but but there actually isn't any fruit on closer examination. That will bring the judgment of the Lord. Now, uh, it's very important because I've met lots of Christians over the years, a lot of them, that they appeared, if you if you looked at them from afar, you know what I mean by that? If you just looked at them, just observed them, you just, you just looked at them at church. Let's, this is a good, a good example. You just look at them at church. Boy, I tell you what, they've got their Christianese just sharpened right up. You know what I mean? Christianese, they, they speak great Christianese. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, they never say a, a foul off, off, off kilter thing at church. They're just, just, you know, walking so wonderfully, so nicely. They've got all, you know, just right together. But you see, if, like that one church member, I told you about this earlier in an earlier session. But, but I tell you what, at, at, you see this, this, this guy at church, he looked, looked just fantastic. But I went into Lowe's one day, the hardware store here in the, in Fenton, and, and I was getting something minding my own business, and I heard this, this commotion around the way there, around the, the, around the way and, uh, on the other side of the, the shelf. And, uh, I, I heard this guy cussing out the, 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 one of the workers. 
going off on him, just screaming and yelling at him and going on. And I thought, you know, that voice sounds familiar. And I poked my head around the corner. It was a, this church member that you see him at church. Boy, look pristine, wonderful. But you see him at Lowe's, he's cussing out to Clark. <laughs> and I've seen, now that might be the most extreme thing I've seen, but I've seen, you know, people that appear to have fruit at church, but on closer examination, they don't have any fruit. Like the fig tree from a distance looked like it had fruit, but on closer examination, it didn't. And it brings the judgment of the Lord. And I want to say this. I'm going to actually, uh, uh, I want you to go to Luke, the eighth chapter. Luke, the eighth chapter. We'll come back and say one more thing. Got one more uh, uh, thing about the fig tree I want to talk about. But let's go here to Luke, the eighth chapter talking about something that appears outwardly uh, to have fruit, or it looks like it has fruit from afar, but on closer examination, it doesn't. Look at Luke 8, verse 16. This is the parable of the covered lamp. The parable of the covered lamp. Uh, actually, I was going to cover this after the, this next fig parable, but uh, fig story here, but, but the Lord wants me to put it in right here. Just feel that leading on the inside. It just fits right in here. Look at this, Luke 8, verse 16. Parable of the covered lamp. No one, when he's lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Now that is very sobering. That ought, to, that ought to hit you and me in such a way that it, it just sobers us. You know what I mean? Gets our attention. Just look. Nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. At some point, whether here in this time in our life as we live here, or I'm talking to Christians now, are at the judgment seat of Christ, which is a judgment for believers as it pertains to their works. Remember, heaven is a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ. But once Christians get to heaven, there's a judgment seat of Christ where believers' works are judged, whether they've done good or bad. Everything is going to be brought to the light. Some things in this time down here, some things not till the judgment seat, but they will all come to the light. And... How does that relate to this parable of the, you know, this fig tree and the fruit? Well, I tell you what, like I said, there's lots of Christians. Now, there's a lot of great Christians, a lot of wonderful Christians who are full of the fruit of the Spirit. And so that, that, that's wonderful. But I tell you what, I've met a lot of Christians that, you know, they're saved by God's grace. Thank God. But I tell you what, they, and at church, they look, they look like there's a lot of fruit at church, when they're at church, for that hour and a half when they're at church. But I tell you what, you see them out like at Lowe's or wherever it might be, and there's no fruit. There's no fruit. And I tell you what, uh, at some point, whether in this life or at the judgment seat of Christ, everything is going to be brought to the light. And the Lord's going to examine you, and He's going to examine me. And if there's things in our life that, that, that we, you know, you know, did you know some Christians lead a double life? Did you know that? They, they'll, they'll lead, they'll act one way. Like I said, they'll act one way at church. And then, and then, but they got secret sins and secret this and secret that, that nobody knows anything about. And you know, some of them hide those things for years and years and years. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that your sin will find you out. It may not happen today, next week, next month, next year, or next decade. But at some point, whether in this life or at the judgment seat of Christ, if, if, if there's things in our life that shouldn't ought to be there, if we don't repent of those things and, and truly repent and put them away, you know what I mean? Put them away. Truly repent and put them away. Stop doing them. Repent, stop doing them, and ask the Lord to forgive us. Confess our sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. 
But if we don't do that, there's going to come a day where all's going to be revealed. And, and, oh, how embarrassing and how, how, how terrible that, that is when that happens. Sometimes it happens to people now in this time. And others, not till the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't understand how all that works or why it works the way it does, but, but I tell you what, anything we have in our life that should ought to be there, one day it is going to, the Lord's going to examine it. And if, and if you're living a double life or you have a life that, that looks like it's full of fruit, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians, I think the fifth chapter, love, joy, peace, and faithfulness, all of that, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and you per- portray that, you know, when you're at church or when you're just when you're in front of people, but on closer examination, when nobody else is looking behind the scenes, you're not acting as you should. You know, I'm not talking about blundering, making a mistake. You know what I'm talking about. You're living like a double life. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, you know what I mean? You're at, at church, you're Dr. Jekyll, but you get home. I have a lot of Jekyll and Hyde Christians. You see them at church, they're Dr. Jekyll, just wonderful. When they get home, they turn into Mr. Hyde. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. And, uh, and so, yeah, I laugh about it, but hey, it's going to get uncovered. And the Lord, the Lord, he, what did he curse that fig tree? It'll bring judgment. The Bible says that the judgment seat of Christ, people, Christians who have done bad down here, works of bad works, they shall suffer loss. Oh yeah. They themselves will be saved. The Bible says, but they'll suffer loss, loss of reward. Absolutely. I tell you what, this sobering. This sobering, very sobering. Hey, let's go back now to Luke 13. Let's, or let's turn over to Luke 13. One other thing on the fig tree. Luke 13, verse 6. Jesus also spoke this parable. Now, here we got another parable about a fig tree. He said, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Okay. He found none. Now, now this... This didn't get cursed immediately. Okay, as we'll see. Like that, what we just talked about in Mark 11. But, but watch this. We'll learn some things about the Lord here. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, because the certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Well, that, well, now he's now now he wants to bring, he wants to curse it, but notice he didn't curse it immediately. Here in this case, in this parable, the, 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 this guy the Lord's telling us about, he wanted to, but but he he's been patient for three years, looking for this fruit for three years. He but he's but but he, so he gave it three years. All right, he gave it three years, but now he's had enough. He said we could have cut it down. So he comes looking for the fruit. It isn't there. Year one, year two, year three. Okay, patient, but now he's ready to curse it. Let's cut it down. Do away with it. All right, cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, "Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it." And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. What do we learn here from this parable? Well, I believe the central truth here is, is that God is merciful. He's merciful. Remember from these parables, there's one general central truth we're supposed to glean and here it's God is merciful. That 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 tree was supposed to be bearing fruit, and and you know, and it wasn't. So I already said three years, and now he wants to cut it down, and get rid of it. But but it, it it comes forth here. Let this thing alone, and let's continue to work with it. And if it bears fruit, fine. If not, then we can cut it down. The central truth is. Is God is merciful and gives us time to repent and bear fruit. See, right in the middle of all this talking about cursing of fig trees and and things being brought to the light and being revealed and being exposed and 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 you know cutting things down and all of that. Right in the middle of all this judgment, let's don't ever forget that God is merciful. God is merciful. 
And, and I think that, that when you read this, God wants to cut it down, but no, he said, let's read it again. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit, found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, so this, 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 uh, vineyard worker, the keeper says, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it, fertilize. Let me continue to work with it. If it bears fruit well, but if not after that, you can cut it down. I think what we take away from this is that right in the middle of all this judgment, as I said, we see, hey, God wants to work with you. He wants to work with me. He wants to work with us. You, you study the Bible. God doesn't just want to come in there. And just God doesn't get any pleasure out of judging people. God doesn't want to come in and just judge people. No, he wants us to repent. He wants to work with us. He wants, he wants us, he wants us to repent. He really, really does. He wants us to repent. He doesn't want, God gets no pleasure out of judging people and, and fire and brimstone. I mean, that's for people who won't repent. And, and there's, I mean, there's the goodness and the severity of God. God extends his goodness. And if people just won't receive that goodness after a long period of time, then there's nothing left else for them but his judgment. But from this parable, he says, hey, let it alone. Let's don't bring the judgment here. Let's let's don't cut it down. Let me continue to work with it. That's what God wants to do with you. That's what he wants to do with me. That's what he wants to do with all of us. He wants to continue to work with us. And, 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 and so forth and so on. Talk about fertilizing. He wants to continue to work with us and he wants us to bear fruit. So what do we learn? God is merciful and he gives us time to repent and bear fruit. Okay? So let's don't forget about that in the midst of talking about this judgment. But, but there's something else here. He said, he said, let me work with it. If it bears fruit well, and that's what God, that's what God wants for us. But then he said, but if not, after that, cut it down. Let the judgment come. See, God gives us time to repent. You study the Bible. He gives us time to repent and, 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 and long periods of time to repent. Long periods of time. This fig tree had three years and, and more. And and, and, and and everybody, God works with everybody differently. And I, you, you know, I don't say, so well, how long does he give us to repent? Long period of time. Over there in the book of Revelation, that woman that he, he called Jezebel, who was, who was apparently in the pulpit, the pastor's wife, in the pulpit teaching that, uh, you know, le- teaching people to commit sexual immorality and worship idols and, and, or eat, eat food, uh, sacrificed to idols. I mean, think about that, but the Bible says how hideous that is, but Jesus, the Bible says he gave her a space of time to repent. And then he said, if she, she and her followers don't repent, then, then I'm going to throw them into a sick bed and, and kill her followers with death and all that, but unless they repent. So what do we learn? God, from this parable, God wants us to repent. He, he's, he's, and he wants to work with us. He wants us to repent. But ultimately, if we don't, then we're going to get cut down. He's, what does that mean? He's going to judge us. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, We'd not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened to the Lord. He'll come in there and chasten you. You don't want the Lord to chasten you. But he will. And he, and he does. And I don't want to get into whole teaching on that because I could. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, we, don't, we don't want him to judge us. But when we're judged, we're chastened to the Lord that we not be condemned with the world. I mean, God will come in and deal with his, his children and, and he'll chasten us and, and judge us so that we don't get condemned with the world. I don't want to get off on teach on that. And uh, much I could say about that, I don't want to get off on that. But, but, <laughs> but I could. But, but the, the, the point is, uh, judge yourself so you won't be judged. Okay, that, let's stay on, on track here. I'm so tempted. I want to go over and talk about, about the chastening of the Lord. Uh, you know, uh, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. I, let's, let's stay on subject. What's the subject? God wants to work with you. He wants to work with me. He wants us to judge ourselves. But if we won't, 
ultimately then the judgment will come. Things will be revealed, judgment will come, and uh, that's not a good thing. All right, let's go on here. Just uh, two more and we're done. Hey, go to John the 10th chapter. John the 10th chapter. And this is the parable of the sheepfold. Parable of the sheepfold. John chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, he, let's start over. (laughs) Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. This is John 10, verse 1. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this parable. Now, the New King James calls it an illustration, but the King James calls it a parable. So I want to cover it because it's a parable that Jesus taught. He taught the parable of the sheepfold. And he gives those five verses. And it says they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And so he said to them again, now he's going to give them an explanation. So let's let's look at this. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the door. He is the door. He is the door. He's the only way uh, to heaven. He's the door to heaven. Absolutely. I'm the door of the sheep. He's the door to that sheepfold. Okay. The only way to, to get into that sheepfold is through the door. Jesus is the door. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Don't ever forget that Jesus is the door. All right. He's the door. It's like when he appeared to his disciples, you know, after he was raised from the dead, he didn't come through the door. He appeared in their midst. Why didn't he come through the door? Because he is the door. Glory to God. I don't think Jesus uses doors. He just walks right through the wall. He is the door. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's how we get to heaven through Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. The, he is not the best way. Be watchful of a minister that says Jesus is the best way. Because what did he just tell you? That there could be other ways. No, Jesus isn't the best way to heaven. He's the only way. O-N-L-Y, capital O-N-L-Y. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He's the door. All right? I'm the, well, you're, you're being exclusive. or you, I'm just teaching you the Bible. He's the only way. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the virgin-born son of the living God, is the only way to get to heaven and get to the heavenly Father, and you have to have faith in him, all right, from your heart. All right, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. You want to be saved? How do you, how do you get saved? Go through Jesus. Go to him. And we'll go in and out and find pasture, find rest. The thief, now that's the devil, does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So if something's stealing, killing, or destroying, the devil's behind it. I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. See, let's, let's, that's what, that's why he came. So we'd have life and have it more abundantly. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And Jesus gave his life for us on Calvary's cross. Glory to God. And then he talks about a hireling who's not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of uh, by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And he did on Calvary's cross. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and and one shepherd, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I believe he's talking about the Gentiles. That, that not only, see, he came to the Jews, and he came unto his own, his own received him not. The Jews as a whole have rejected the Lord Jesus. There's been a remnant of Jews that have accepted him. But then remember in Acts the 10th chapter, he turned to the Gentiles. Glory to God. And the Gentiles were welcomed in. And, and you could read that in Acts 10 when Peter went to uh, Cornelius' house. But I believe he's talking about the Gentiles. 
Anybody could come to Jesus. Glory to God and get saved. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. See, he laid down his life on Calvary's cross and on the third day he took it back. Glory to God. He took the keys of hell and of death. He was raised from the dead and the angel rolled the stone away and Jesus walked out of that tomb. Glory to God. Why get excited about that? He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. They couldn't have taken him there at the Garden of Gethsemane if he didn't want to go. He could have called legions of angels. Absolutely. That's the truth. But he didn't. He he laid down his life. Thank God he did too. Because by him dying on a cross and shedding his blood and being raised from the dead on the third day keeps us out of a devil's hell when we put our faith in him. Glory to God. He said, no one takes it from me. I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. I, uh, he said, this command I received from my father. Boy, I like that kind of talk. Glory to God. Jesus is almighty God. And he, I'm going to read it again. He said, he said, no one takes my life from me. He said, I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and have power to take it again. I like when Pilate, when he told Pilate there, Jesus told Pilate, you have no power over me at all. And he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Jesus laid his life down. And, and I tell you what, and you know, Jesus was never haughty with that power because Jesus is the example of humility. But I tell you what, the same Jesus that rode that donkey into Jerusalem, he's going to come the second time riding on a white stallion. Glory to God. But nonetheless, let me stay on, stay on task here. He, I, I like it. He said, no one takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. And he did on the third day when the Bible said he stripped the devil. He, glory to God, he spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly. He stripped the devil of, of his authority and the keys of hell and of death glory to God brought him to naught glory to God we don't have to be afraid of the devil we don't have to be afraid of demons we don't have to be afraid of sickness and disease because we have the name of Jesus glory to God well I get excited therefore and then it goes on verse 19 so he gives this parable of the sheepfold and I could, if I had the time I could teach for 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 weeks on this I, I may do it again somewhere down the road I think I will on the sheepfold. And I tell you what, it, it's an excellent uh, teaching about local churches and the different types of people you have in a local church. It's so helpful. I tell you what, every person going in the ministry as a pastor ought to hear the teaching on the sheepfold and, and every church member ought to hear it too. It, I tell you what, uh, it actually it was a, a man named Barclay wrote a book on the sheepfold. You ought to get that book and read it. And I've got teaching on it in the archives, but it's been so long ago. I don't know if we have that one on, on in the archives. That may not be. But I'm going to teach on it again down the road. I think it'd be helpful. Glory to God. But anyway, let's leave it there. And it, look at verse 19. There, therefore, there was a division among uh, among the Jews because of these sayings. Many of them said, Jesus, they said of Jesus, he has a demon and is, is mad or crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others said, uh, these are not the words of, of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So uh, something we can learn here is if you're a preacher, a minister of the word of God, you're going to have people listen to you, listen to the same sermon. They all heard the same thing. And th- some of them are going to think you're, it's wonderful. And some of them are going to think you're, you're, you're crazy and demon possessed. And people say, hey, I've had... I've had 27 years of, of this where you preach a message and you get people that, that love it and people that hate it. They heard the same thing. And, uh, uh, you know, some people will think it's great. Some people will, uh, will think it's terrible. And some people will tell you at the door, they'll walk out the door, pastor, wonderful message. And, 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 and then they'll go out to lunch with other people that I've had people already groups of them, you know, they'll come by and, Pastor, that's a great message. And they'll go up to the local restaurant and, and just chew into me. Oh, yeah, I think every pastor's had that. And then I've had them where they'll come by and, 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 and you know, say good message. And they really meant it. You know, <laughs> had a lot of good people, had a lot of not so good people. But point I'm trying to make is if they'll say that about Jesus, they'll certainly say it about me or any other minister. Hey, let's close this up here. 
in, uh, let's close this series on parables with a parable. What do you say? Let's close this series on parables with a parable. What do you think? Let's do that. Go to Matthew, the seventh chapter. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Closing the series on parables with a parable. And this is the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And this is the most excellent parable that we could close this series on parables with right here. It's the uh, parable of the wise and foolish builders. And Jesus gave this right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And here it is, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, well, we've heard a lot of sayings of Jesus over the last five months. Now, I, I didn't teach on the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, I'll, I'll teach on that sometime. I'm going to teach on prayer, the sheepfold, and Sermon on the Mount. We'll get to all of them it, 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 as we go down the road. It just as the Lord leads and directs. But whoever hears these sayings of mine. So you've got five months worth of parables. You've heard a lot of the sayings of Jesus. Whoever hears them and does them. Not just hearing. See, the hearer isn't the one that's blessed. It's the hearer and the doer. You can see that in the Bible. The Bible's clear on that. Just hearing, but you got to hear it before you can do it. But a lot of people hear, and that's where it's all the further it ever goes. Hear it and do it. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. See, he's telling a simple story here, illustrates a spiritual truth. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. See, you're not just you're not blessed in the hearing, you're blessed in whether or not you do what you hear. And you don't want to be a forgetful hearer either. You don't want to be a forgetful hearer either because after i'm finished here tonight tonight well i'll just be honest with you i'm taping this in the evening okay so so there so but after i finish this here and i've just taped the one you saw last week i just taped it before i did this one so if i seem a little slap happy here is is because i've been teaching for the last hour before this, and then this two hours straight, and then five months on the same subject. I'm a little, I'm a little slap happy. <laughs> okay, but it's okay. But after this, I'm going to take some time off, and I think some well-deserved time, and, and I'll and I'll come back and, and pick back up after the Fourth of July. So I'm going to take the, essentially the month of June off. But you know what? I think I deserve it. I, t- I pastored 27 years with almost no vacations, just very little here and there. I think I've, I think I've earned it. So I'm going to take off essentially the month of June, and I'll be a- I'll be back after uh, uh, the Fourth of July, and we'll pick back up and go through the summer. I'm thinking we're going to come back, and my wife and I, at least at first, we're thinking about uh, teaching several several sessions on marriage. Oh, that'll be good. When you get her and me together talking about marriage, people get blessed when when we do that. So we're looking at at doing that. So anyway, but check back in uh, after the uh, uh, 4th of July. We'll move on. But you don't want to be a forgetful hearer. So you've got a whole month now to go back into the archives and, and, and review all these messages on parables. If you missed any, pick up and listen to them. You can pick them up for free. And, and, and so you need to be, hear the word of God and do it. And don't be, the book of James, I believe, says, don't be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. That's right. Absolutely. So everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, is likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was it great was its fall. So hear the word of God and do it. You're likened unto a wise man who built the house on the rock. And if you hear the word of God and you don't do it, then you're like the guy that built his house on the sand. The same storm came to each. Storms of life come to us all. Same storm came to each. But the one who heard the word of God and did it, wise man on the rock, 
and the house stands. But you hear the word of God, don't do it. The storm comes, and because it's built on the sand, because you didn't do the word, you didn't do it. You heard it, but didn't do it. You're like a foolish man who built on the sand. That same storm comes and blow, <laughs> blows your house down. You know, like the little, the little, <laughs> the little pig that had built his house. You know, what of what of sticks? A wolf huffed and big bad wolf huffed and puffed and blew it down. You want to be like those first two pigs that built the house. Or no, I guess it was, I am slap happy, but it was what, the first one built it a straw and it got blew over. So he heard the word of God and didn't do it. The second one built it a sticks. Very foolish. He built, heard the word of God and didn't do it. But it was the third pig. See, I get my pig story straight. It was the third one that heard the word of God and did it. He built his house of bricks. See, even slap happy, I could get the three pigs right, all right? And, and the wolf came, it blew the first pig's house down, the second pig's house down, but that third pig, he was a hearer of the word of God and a doer, and it didn't blow his house down. The wolf couldn't blow it down. See, I, there's a little parable of my own there, three pigs. All right, anyway, glory to God. Hear the word of God. Do the word of God. You're a wise person. The storm will come but you'll, you'll stand strong and your house won't get blown over. Glory to God. And uh, somebody said, well, what if it does? Well, then have good insurance. Glory to God. But if you'll do what Jesus said do, the storm won't blow you down. Glory to God. Your house will stand. And so it was. Bear with a little bit of my slap happiness, but God bless you. Thanks for putting up with me. But so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. And he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Well, there you have it. So I can't, I have nothing else to say. We've covered the parables. And I closed it with, I think, the best parable you could close it with. Hear these things, do them, you're wise, built on a, on, on a rock, the storms will come, won't blow you down. Amen. And, but if you don't do them, I'm going to repeat, repetition is the seed of learning. But if you don't do them, then the storm will come and it'll blow, blow your house down. So be wise and be a hearer of the word of God and a doer. Hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus, repent of your sins, call on the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? You'll miss hell one day. You'll make heaven uh, and, and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Well, end of the parables. Like I said, we'll pick up uh, after the 4th of July. And I think my wife and I, unless the Lord leads different, We'll, uh, we'll be teaching a few sessions on marriage, her and me together. All right, God bless you. Bye-bye.